Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. Episode of the podcast, I have a treat for you today. I am in conversation with Iona Holloway. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a moment, but I want to let you know first that I'm having an informational session about my retreat at Vidagrama Healing Village. That informational session takes place on May 15th. You can learn more in the show notes. This retreat is all about creating a next level 2024 by resting through the month of November. So it will be there for almost three weeks doing Ayurvedic treatments and also planning for the year ahead and doing deep dive astrology sessions with me so that you can really launch into this next year with a lot of power and clarity. So if that sounds interesting to you, there's only eight spots and you can join me for that informational session, which is totally free. So just go to the link in the show notes to learn more. So today my guest is Iona Holloway, who's the founder of Soul Breathwork and the best-selling author of Ghost, Why Perfect Women Shrink. Iona's work is rooted in her own experiences as a highly functioning, invisibly struggling woman and her unconventional recovery from a 20-year battle with an eating disorder and depression. Something she learned on the long road home, it's never too late to remember who you are. Iona's tough as old boots, but soft like a marshmallow. (laughs) Her zero fluff breathwork app, intensives, and psychedelic live experiences help you do three things. Clear the muck, turn the stone in your chest back into a beating heart, and burn bright, not out in your life and work. So you can find out more about her in the show notes. In this conversation, though, we talk about her first experience with breathwork as a an athlete, a professional athlete. And some really cool things that she does with breathwork, not just to clear up past experiences and trauma, but to timeline jump and how that has impacted her business. It's a pretty cool conversation you don't want to miss. Also, we talk about Iona's really amazing with experimentation and content creation that is really direct and calls things out that she feels are important to look at in our culture. So we talk a lot about that. And also, if you are a person who wants to write a book, stay tuned until the end because she shares some really great tips about self-publishing and her process around writing her book. 
So I hope you enjoy this. I hope that it supports you and that you get a lot out of it. And please do make sure you share this with anyone you think will benefit and leave us a review if you like this podcast so that more people can find it and follow it. I really appreciate you. Okay. Without further ado, here's my interview with Iona Holloway. Hello, Iona. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Paula. Happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. So many things that we can talk about. So I'm curious just to start. I usually ask people about their journey to becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm just curious, like, what did that look like for you? Sure. I was someone that thought from a very young age that I was going to work for them for myself. Mm. I had a very sort of strong sense of that. And I think it was more, I didn't really, I didn't really like other people telling me what to do. However, a couple of things that got in the way of perhaps that happening for me, maybe as early as I would have hoped. Um, one is my mental health. Uh, so I had, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, um, I warred for pretty much my entire teens and my 20s uh, with brutal depression, eating disorders, all that kind of stuff, um, which totally... I was all consumed by the suffering. So there really wasn't any capacity, even if I wanted for it, for true creativity or expression. I had a very successful career. I worked as a creative director. One of the big reasons for that is that when I was 20, I moved from Scotland to the US to play field hockey, Division One field hockey at Syracuse University. And so it kind of dovetailed that most of my 20s was me suffering with a lot of internal pain and also fighting immigration, trying to get a green card and doing that through my employment as opposed to getting married or something like that. Um, so it was very much a combination of those two things that meant that for most of my 20s, I was, I was working as a creative director. And then finally at 29, I both had a green card and also hit a rock bottom within my own, within myself and something had to change. And through the process of inner work, healing, breath work, which I'm sure we'll get into all that good stuff. I ended up writing a book and building a business out of my own healing journey. That's what I do now. <laughs> so that's my business is very much an extension of my own experience and journey. And it's why it feels special, personal mission driven and to share, share the work that I do now as well. I love that. Even as you're talking, I'm like looking at your birth chart over here (laughs) on my, my desk. And I'm like, Oh, she's a Scorpio rising and has her Mars in the eighth. So there's this intense like inner work, but also that Martian drive to like make things work. Your Mars is also with Venus. So it makes total sense that you would be doing creative work in the world as well. And like part of that would be like your own deep processing and like making beauty out of it, which is definitely something I want to talk about with you. Cause now that I'm following you on Instagram, I'm like, wow, there's so much creative energy just like beaming out of you and like around how you address even things that are happening in the media. You just like take something and kind of like create a beautiful idea or spark or something to make us think. It's so cool to see that reflected in the chart. Yeah. I one of my program one of my newest programs around breathwork is called Muck and Gold for these very reasons. Like I just think that there is so much beauty for all of us in the muck if you're willing to like slosh around in it 
stay with it, be with it, apply beautiful pressure to it and come out of it grasping something, grasping something really valuable. I just believe that for everyone. And we're so, I think, just scared to go to the depths of ourselves. But something I found, I don't know if you can relate to this, but now that I've done a real deep dive into myself and come out of it, Sure, it's no like permanent state of happiness. That's not the point. But I have a deep appreciation for my own soul. Like I really, really do. I, I view my life as incredibly precious. Um, and when you've been to the depths of yourself in that way, I just love meeting other people who are deep wells too. And once you, because when you've been deep with yourself, you can be deep with other people. And you can also see the, the people in the world that are just puddles still. And that's okay. <laughs> like they haven't been able to go down deep yet, but I hope to help them. Yeah. So it's interesting when we're talking about this, a lot, a lot of ideas come to mind. Like you have to go through it. You can't go around it. Like there are all these concepts that we hear. And what that really means to me is that we can think all day about our trauma. We can think about where we've been and where we want to go, like we can think our way, but we cannot think our way through it. Right. And so what you really offer is working with the breath as a portal for actually doing something tangible to help you work through that stuff. So do you want to talk about like, how did you first encounter breath work? Why is it so meaningful to you? And why have you like centered your brand around it? Yeah, sure. There's a couple of things you just said there that I love. Uh, one is wisdom is slow cooked. It's not fast food. Knowledge is fast food. You can pick up a brilliant book anywhere. You can plug in a brilliant podcast like this one and listen to it and you will get knowledge. Oh, delicious. I'm so smart. I am. I have so much awareness of myself, but there's a very big difference between that and actually turning the lens of that inwards and cooking it, like cooking it through your body. What does this actually mean for me? Because, and I think this is one of my big things around breath work is knowledge, intelligence, the mind is one form of our access to intelligence. We also have our soul, some people call it spirit, God, whatever. Um, I'm not fussy. I use the word soul, but then we're in a human body. It is the bridge between the mind and the soul. And so much gets stuck here. It has this unique capacity to store things in it. Kind of like, that's why I call the body. It's like a scrapbook. Um, and things get locked and trapped in the pages uh, along the way, which deeply inform how we think and feel about ourselves. And the reason that I've come to breathwork as a tool that I now love have used in my own life and share with other people is that it's the body's language. It has a unique ability to both clear them up from your system day to day, but also to dive deep into it and transform the memories that are stuck and stored there as little like blocks of energy. And you can use breath work to work with them and bring them to the surface and then process them and heal them. Um, so that's like, and it's like, you cook it, like you go through the process, you go through the process of actually changing it from muck to gold. And breathwork is, I'm not saying breathwork is the only tool for doing these things. It's the one, it's the one that I love. And there's a couple of reasons for that to get back to your original question. So the first thing is that I was using breathwork 
before I really knew what I was doing and when I was still in a huge amount of pain. So in my kind of life as a competitive athlete, I learned that if if I want to be able to endure the intensity of training or a match, I had to find a way to stay. Because if my breath went crazy when I was running these insanely fast track times, I, one, failed my fitness test, two, didn't get on the team. There was consequences for me not having the capacity to stay and be present. Like very real. It felt like at the time, incredibly real consequences. Oh my God, I'm not going to get to play on Saturday. And my whole life was centered around that. And so I learned that if my breath was calm, my mind was calm. And that's what allowed me over the course of my four-year career in the US to change from being on the bench to being a starter to being an All-American. It was my capacity to work with my breath in that way and find a way to stay. And then interestingly, when I sort of came back to breathwork as a like a healing tool that I was experiencing for myself in one of these like, oh, I'm going to go a non-traditional route for healing my eating disorder, my depression, I came across breathwork and I especially got into inner child breathwork and it was the same thing that came up for me. And that's why I offer it to pretty much anyone who does like an inner child breathwork session with me or one in general. Can you find a way to stay here? Can you bring up a younger version of you through visualization? Can you be with yourself And can you find a way to stay? And again, the way that I encourage people to do that and the way that people are building their capacity to do that is through using their breath. Because so often we leave in in specific instances of our life. Sometimes we have to, but being able to build our capacity back where we can hold the worst of us, the best of us, the hard experiences, the hard memories, the hard moments, and not look away, but keep our eyes focused on ourselves and find a way to stay, that's when things start to move. That's when things start to clear. That's when things start to process and move through. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of, I guess, I was going to say genesis, but that's a dramatic word. But it started out as a tool for me to be present in my competitive athletic career. And then it came back all over again in my own healing journey. And now with helping people do this, Breath is the way that you can find a way to be present and to stay and hold yourself. When the mind is off, blah, 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 just come back, (laughs) like come back, come back, come back, come back. It's interesting now because it's the phrase when people email me or when they've done a session after a live session or they've done something on the Soul Breathwork app, they're like, I'm finding a way to stay both here in breathwork, but now more so I'm just bringing that into my life. I'm finding a way to stay more and be here more. And I love that because it's really where it all began for me too. So can you just give us an example of like how you would use this in a day? You know, is it when something comes up for you? Do you go and like explore it in breathwork sessions or can you talk more about that? Yeah, sure. So say like just the concept of finding a way to stay. So that could be a little line that you read in a book, like that could be in any sort of random self-help book. And you're like, oh yeah, sure. Find a way to stay. But think about it. Like when you're having a difficult relief, perhaps a difficult conversation with your partner and you're normally the one that leaves the room instead, can you be like, oh, how can I find a way to stay here? 
Can I regulate my nervous system with some of the breathing patterns that I've practiced? Just the simple ones. Can I find a way to stay here in this experience and give myself a different one than the one that I normally have? Same goes like for in the context of like when you're, if you're actually doing an inner child breathwork session and you're coming up against yourself and you don't like the inner child that's shown up for you. You don't like them. It's like that disgusting 15 year old one who's got like, he's got that cringe hair. I mean, I did. Oh my God, I found photos of myself recently. I was like, what were you thinking? Anyway, it's like that hard to love version of me. And instead of being like, of judging the shit out of myself, just finding a way to, if not love who I am in that moment, not leave, like stay present. I was even thinking about this before I came on. I was firing off a couple of arrows to work with some companies that I would love to get a breathwork experience into as a corporate offering. And even with that, I would find myself wanting to go away from the tab, to disappear, to stop writing the email, to just turn it off. And it's the same thing. It's like, can I find a way to stay here? Can I find a way to walk myself through this experience? And that's another huge thing that I love about breathwork. It's like, sure, it's the practice of regulating your nervous system. Sure, it's the practice practice of processing and healing trauma. But it's also the lessons that you pull out of it. Because breathwork has this kind of incredible ability to brand insight into you. It's kind of wild. It can like really brand something really intense. There's instances I've had with breathwork that I still remember just like a single sentence that I felt when I was in that sort of altered state of consciousness. Um, finding a way to stay is kind of like that. Once you have that insight, it's not that you need to be moving around your entire day, focusing on your breath. It's the insight that you pull from it that you can then apply. I hope that makes sense. No, I think it does. You know, And I think finding a way to stay is just one example of many uh, different kinds of insights or different things that we notice within ourselves that we'd like to be able to do. And you're saying like using breath work to kind of repattern or like create a new insight about that thing. So I want to get a little bit like more out there with you right now, because when we talked, um, you know, we had like a brief chat before doing this and you were mentioning timeline jumping. And I think this is something that's so interesting is like, yes, we can heal things that have happened in the past. Yes, we can, you know, learn to get new insights in our present. And then you're, you were telling me like there's ways that you're using breath work to actually project yourself forward and to move through stuff really quickly so that you're on like another timeline essentially. So first, can you explain what timeline jumping is in your ideas, like from how you look at it and then talk about like what that process is? Yeah, sure. I like to put it this way. I think I hope this is a simple way of thinking about it. We chain travel all the time often backwards. So without even really being conscious of it, at the moment, you and I are having this conversation, we're probably bringing some of the past along with us for the ride. We naturally do this. That's what conditioning is. Where do we think we get our beliefs from? It's all from a distillation of our past experiences that they create the identity that I have today, some of which I perhaps love, some of which perhaps perhaps limits me whatever. It doesn't matter. But we can fold time. We can think about the past all the time. We notice this about ourselves. Time can fold like an accordion in that way. But what I always like to say to people is that capacity to do something in one direction only indicates that you also have capacity to perhaps apply that in a different direction. 
Another way I put this is like, if you have a depth of capacity to experience pain, you have proof of a depth of love in the opposite direction. You you perhaps just haven't cultivated the access to that other side, but it's just, it's two sides of the same coin. So if we know that we can think about the past, that we can go back there, that we can feel it, that means, I think, that we have the capacity to project forward and feel into what I am like in a year, in three years, in 20 years. And that means that potentially there is wisdom hanging out there. There is insight hanging out there. There is inspiration, new beliefs, ideas, experiences that I've already had. And so what can I do then to fold time in that direction? What can I do to pull my future towards me so that I can act more in the, in the theme of what she is believing? And the most simple way that I did this is one of the first things I did in my own inner work journey was writing a future self letter. So a future self letter is just writing a letter from you. I think I wrote it from me six months in the future to me in the present moment. And it was just basically like, I'm so proud of of you, Iona. You no longer binge. (laughs) Like it was very rudimentary. Um, But I've evolved beyond that with my own just like fascination with this stuff. And now what I love to do is guide people through more of a timeline jumping future self visioning breath work. Because again, it's a felt sense because we've all made like vision boards sort of like pulled out shit from a magazine and stuff. And it's like, here's my vision. It's like, but it's got no felt sense. It's not actually connected. Maybe it's connected in some way, but like really meaningfully connected to a future version of you. And so I'll guide people through breathwork or visualization or a timeline jumping future self visualization and breathwork. And it's the same thing. It's like saturating your senses with the vision of the future. So I'll often set the scene, you'll step towards yourself, it'll, you'll like that version of you will collapse into being, and then you get to be them. You get to ask them questions, you get to walk up right next to them and hold their hand if you want to do that, or lean on them, or, wh- or whatever it is. And you're really having a conversation with yourself, but you're also gaining insight from another, another dimension, some other realm, uh, where yeah, like a different version of you already already exists. And then, like all things, because I do believe in sort of the practicalities of it, is to distill that down into a letter. So, for example, I do this every six months or so within the context of my business. I'll just do a future self breathwork visualization, and then I will write in the consciousness of the person that I have met and then, or the version of me that I have met. And then I just look at it every week, start of the week, I sort of read through it and I'll pull out something that they, that they told me or something that they were believing about themselves. I have one from, I think the last one I've done is last August. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of do one, um, but something I wrote to myself in that was you're safe to wage soulful war. It was just something that I wrote down. And again, like I'll just pull that out and let that be the theme for the week. How can I wage soulful war this week? What am I waging soulful war on? It's kind of fun like that. It's a game. It's a wee bit different than what are my, what are my metrics for the week? It's like, I'm just going to wage soulful war and see what happens. Um, so like it's a bit more felt 
perhaps than specific, but it really, really works for me and it works for other people too. It's interesting because it's almost like a creative brief because I'm thinking of that post you posted about will Harry regret spare? It's like, is that soulful war? Is that what you would say? Yeah, totally. Because waging soulful war, there's, you can get into that. Like if you're waging soulful war, you're not writing boring shit or you're not doing what you've already done before. Perhaps there's new territory. What would that look like? It's like, oh, maybe I'm Maybe I'm reaching out to people this week, or maybe I'm writing something that's a bit of a rallying cry, or maybe I'm whatever, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's open in that, in that sense. Yeah. I've just found that a lot more of a compelling way to get into the, like borrow the bravery as well. I think a lot of people can relate to the feeling of being scared in this precise moment. And if I can borrow inspiration, bravery, insight, not from somebody else, but resource it from my own (laughs) inspiration. That's so much more impactful. That's so much more meaningful uh, for, for me. So yeah, that's why I don't read many books. I just read myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say as well, like, I mean, maybe you have a hot take on this, but you're a writer, you were a designer, you know, but I feel like you really are about words. Like you're about kind of playing with words. And so one thing I'm really concerned about in my business is having creativity be at the center of it, but also like not letting the poetry fall out of the business. And I feel like you're really, you know, you're a person that I could look to and say is really thinking that way, but maybe you have a take on that that you want to share. Oh yeah. I think words are spells. Words have so much power. Words have so much spells, have like, they have so much magic to them. Um, And they communicate something without, I mean, with saying something, but also everything, everything around it. That's why everything I name, like all my offerings that I name are things that have come to me in breathwork sessions, or there are words that come back to me over and over and over again. I was laughing the other week because I hadn't read my future self last in a while. And I was enrolling a new woman into my breathwork mentorship group. I was sending her my future self letter as an example for her to write her own. And I was rereading it and it said, um, it had the word luminous in it. And that's the name of my newest, that's the name of the mentorship group. But I totally forgot that it was in there, but it was like, oh yeah, that word was there. And then it perhaps filtered through all the times that I read it. And then it became the obvious name for what's actually become like my most easily my most successful thing that I've ever done in the context of my business. Um, I just think words have, I would think words have so much, so much power. I mean, it's fun to play with them too and sort of distort them and let them have your own definition and meaning of them too. People pull out words that I've used all the time. And I also, every single time I work with someone in mirror, which is my private coaching, is I tell them, wrap words around the experiences that you normally don't talk about. As soon as you wrap words around an experience, you you render it real in a form that we can now look at. And once something is real and it is concrete in some way, it's no longer this sort of existential floaty thing that you feel. It's now concrete in some way and you and I can talk about it. And so I do think that words have the capacity to 
collapse something that is formless into something that is real and now we can talk about it um, and that's often a first step to, for many um, yeah. towards healing or understanding or insight or whatever. I think also for my clients who I work with to help them with their business, I'm helping them to kind of pull out and tease out what is their methodology, you know, so that they can share in words with someone on a sales call or, you know, in their sales pages, like, what is it that I'm actually doing? And that can be empowering because we can then say like, oh, I do have a methodology. But also, yeah, but then it also allows us to name something like you're saying and really kind of like own it and and step into the power around having something like that. So it's very interesting thing that you're sharing. And, and the other thing I want to point out is like when you were talking, I was thinking like breathwork seems like a it's a way of getting outside the box. Like we can sit and think and like try to force ourselves to put poetry into whatever we're creating. But then there's these invitations through, you know, for me, it's like ritual and like moving my body and being in nature. And then also like breath work, like these are all tools that help you as a business owner, just make sure that spark is tended to so that you can then create these incredible wordsmithing situations and like come up with really ideas that you might not have come up with otherwise, you know? Oh, yeah. There's like a non-linear element to... I love what you said about sort of... I don't use the word ritual. That's another thing. It's like some words mean so much to one person. And then for me, anything that's got... I don't know if this is true for ritual, but I grew up in a very religious household and spent a very long period in my childhood actively hating it, like actively hating it. So it's very, very rare that you will find anything in what I write that has words like faith in it um, or even gratitude or things like this because they don't resonate for me at all. I've tried to find different ways of choosing. Or I've found words that work that work for me, but that say the same thing because in the context of it, I, I love that kind of what's the word. It's like, yeah, let's use ritual. I use practice. But yeah, every morning... I, it's like creature practice. I wake up and I try to go creature first. So by creature first, I mean, get into the most human part of me, which is my body. Um, and it's always been that way. And I don't see that changing. I think I listened to something you just posted on Instagram recently about experimentation. And that is something that's really, it's like a core value of mine in my business. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, we constantly have to be experimenting. So I'm wondering what your hot take is on experimenting and like bringing in what we've talked about so far. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think experimentation requires a certain level of confidence and by that, I mean, the people that I see struggling the most with, with experimentation are people that view an experiment, unless it succeeds, as a failure. And I see a really tight bond for those people between what they do and their definition of themselves. So if, I, if who I am, my, my worth, my lovability, my intelligence, like whatever it is, is dependent on everything that I do being successful. Um, I'm f***ed because I've failed so many more times in my life, definitely within the context of my business, than I have succeeded. Um, and, but So there's a real bravery, a bravery in being able to 
fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and not assume the identity of someone who is a failure. Um, so I think that experimentation in the same way that I say this all the time with folks who are like, how do I play? Like, how do I have fun in my life? It's even fascinating for me within the context of the nervous system, what play actually translates as what play the experience of it in our body is when we are tethered within our, in our, in our autonomic nervous system, when we are tethered to a feeling of safety, but when we're just pushing on the gas pedal of hyper arousal or of what people tend to know as fight or flight. So play is this beautiful mix, safe mix of like arousal and safety. And so if you can hang out there, that's why play feels so fun. That is why experimentation for someone that knows that they're safe. That's why experimentation is very, you never feel more alive than when you're actually able to hang out, hang out in this, in that space. Um, but if you don't have that internal tether within yourself, it's like, I'm safe. I'm good. I'm okay. And it's just like stepping into the void. That is a really scary proposition if you don't have, if you don't have that tether. And so I have a lot, and again, I'm saying this, I'm not saying this is the sage wise one. There's many times, there's weeks, months that I'll spend. I'm like, I'm too scared. <laughs> I can't do it. Like you just go through phases of, of that. But it's okay. Can I build my capacity to try to know that actually this is just another example of me experimenting with, with something. So I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's my, that's my view on experimentation. Um, very hard for people to actually be able to access that truly creative experimental part of themselves. Um, if they don't feel safe within, within themselves first. Yeah. That's so interesting, you know, because I think being an entrepreneur is just freaking scary and it's always on, we're always on the cutting edge. Like, we're either trying to cast a vision that people can't see yet. And we're like fanning the flames of like what the thing is, you know, <laughs> and then also tending to ourselves because there's always places where we don't feel safe. Like I recently was talking to my coach on the podcast about being in the waiting room. And sometimes we know we're in the waiting room. We're not doing something because there's some fear. Or there's something. But this also brings a perspective that sometimes we just don't feel safe. And so how do we create that safety so we can play within this thing and play our way out of the waiting room <laughs> and do the thing? Yeah, I know. It's uh, there's definitely, well, in my experience, there's no, sometimes the timeline is longer than you want it to be. And even in that experience, you're learning something you're being able to find a way to regulate and make yourself feel safe, even though something is perhaps taking longer to appear or materialize or whatever it is. Cause that's something that I've learned being an entrepreneur is never like my business has been success. I've only been running it full time for just over a year and a bit, maybe two now I'm coming up to two years. And it's been really successful. People are like, oh my God. But what I've learned is that making, like hitting a certain benchmark and like monthly recurring revenue does not make you feel safe. Like it, it doesn't. <laughs> um, it, like you think it might, but it doesn't. Um, hitting a certain number of followers does not make you feel safe. 
nothing really beyond sort of like are my basic, my truly my basic needs met beyond that when there's no safety does not come from the external safety comes from, am I feeling okay? That's why I think I see this all the time. Now people spewing everywhere. The secret weapon of the entrepreneur is a regulated nervous system. Just regulate your nervous system. Regulate. You're going to be absolutely fine. It's like, do you even know what that means? Cause like, you're not wrong, but also just saying regulate your nervous system comes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like, we can have knowledge that, oh yeah, regulating my nervous system just means that my will I die filter is under control. But do I even know how to do that? Do I even know what my nervous system is? Do I even know how to use breath being the one that I focus on to help me feel safe? Like, do I even know what that, do I even know what that means? Being aware of the fact that it's always changing too, and that you have to be able to modulate in the moment because some situation may come up. And this is what, you know, I find with entrepreneurship, there's always like a sweaty conversation to have, or like a big decision to make, or like a client coming in that you're like, Ooh, how am I going to help this person? You know, like your nervous system's all over the place all the time. So you got to be able to be like, okay, what am I going to do in this moment to help regulate my nervous system? Yes, totally. It's a moving, it's a moving target. I do think that that's something that no one told me that nobody told me that part of it. I can even, I remember the day that I woke up knowing that I was now no longer working my full-time job. And I suddenly had anxiety for the first time in my life. Like, and I, and I mean that. Like, and by, and I don't like, actually, I'm going to retract the, I just said, I just committed my own cardinal sin, which was labeling myself as anxious. I'd never experienced energy that felt like that before. I was well versed on all the sad, oceanic, brutal depth of sadness and like that, very comfortable with, but I'd never really felt this real <gasps> feeling of, it was like the floor had gone. So like for the first like four months, or I think really of being full time in my business, I was having to work with an energy in my body that I'd never, ever, ever felt before. That's a really good tell for me too, when I am perhaps needing to, to really focus in on cultivating an internal sense of safety and regulating my nervous system. Because when I feel emotions that have that more anxious feel to them, um, they're not my normal home away from home. And so that's a really good indication that it's time to like kick up the kick up the breath work, kick up the sort of what's up with you conversations. Because yeah, if you let that stuff take you over, everything about owning your own business, it being mission driven, you loving it, all that stuff, it's very hard to enjoy it if you are not feeling safe. I also find that people shouldn't create content from that space. And we're told to have content, you know, be consistent and show up. What we need to do is be consistent in our practices that help us to feel like we can experiment and play because then our content is really alive. And when we feel pressure to produce content and our body doesn't feel safe, or we feel that feeling that you're describing of almost like a collapse and we make content from there, it's not magnetic. People don't resonate with it in the same way because we are collapsed and our energy is translatable through this medium of the internet. So have any thoughts about that? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. And also I think it's so funny how everything that you create tracks you. 
I like I can go back through my content and be like, oh my God, you are so in in yourself. And I don't and I mean that as a compliment to myself and to anyone. If I feel someone like sitting so powerfully in themselves, that's the most beautiful thing ever. I don't care who you are, whether I even like you, if I can feel you sitting in yourself, I know you've probably had to work to get there. So hats off. But I can look back at my content and be like, oh, you were so in. And then I can be like, you were scared. <laughs> you were freaking out. You're nervous. So, oh, you were back in. Like you can, you can definitely, you can definitely see that. I can also see it in other people too, as well. And it's kind of a fascinating thing because you would, and I do think that the online space is a whole different dimension of reality. It's like not like you and I are having this conversation. It's a real conversation, but it is conducted in a reality that is different from the room that I'm standing in. It kind of goes by different roles. I even think that that is fun to play with more. It's given me a bit more permission that the version of me I like to think of myself or all, all people as prismatic. We have sides, light can shine through and refract through us in different ways at any different time. And you get to choose what side of the prism you tilt towards in the context of your business. So like who I am in my real life, of course, is tethered to the version of me that I am in my online world, which is more of my work world. But we're not the same person. We're expressions of the same thing, but we're, we're slightly different. I like to give people permission for that too, because I think there's so much chat about authenticity. Be yourself and your business. Bring your whole self. It's like, well, I don't really know if it's the same reality. But yeah, you're totally right. Like with them, with their, you can feel energy over the internet. You can feel energy through content, just like words. It's all a spell. And I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't think we have to bring our whole self to our business in that we have to share everything. We can be really selective and also we can play. When you said that, I thought of David Bowie, you know, being Ziggy Stardust. Like he, it's not like he was up there pretending to be someone he wasn't. He was being something really fun that we were magnetized to like complete permission to use your business as a stage for you to have like a lot of fun and be real and say things that are valuable to the collective and do things for the collective that are helpful. And also like be Ziggy Stardust if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I think it would be so... I find it really boring. This is not judgment. It's just like a personal thing that I notice. I get so bored when I can see that people are trying very hard to be taken seriously. Or trying like very hard to be viewed as professional. I, I mean, I view that as see when someone's like really trying to cultivate that sense around whatever it is that they're offering. All I feel is the fear because there's a place for that, but it's one part of it. It's beautiful to show your expertise or. I mean, I don't give a fuck about credentials, but maybe some people do. Like, sure, like lean on that. Lean on your knowledge. Some Sometimes just like pure knowledge share is great, but it's not grabbing me. It's not like extending a hand and grabbing behind my heart and like pulling me towards you. Um, and I think that that's where like visibility for a business owner comes into it too. It's like, what, how safe do you feel to be seen in different ways? A little bit perhaps... It doesn't have to be, you don't have to have it all hanging out, but lighthearted and um, imperfect in process. Just even like 
your unique point of view on something that might not be universally loved or accepted, how much can you resource within yourself to feel safe enough to be able to, to like you said, like play, experiment, take some risks? It's so much more fun that way. And it's also so much more magnetic for, for people. Yeah. And I think some people may respond to this by being like, but I'm not funny. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to be funny. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be entertaining even, but you can show who you really are behind the expertise. You can get like, there are people that I follow who I, I'm not interested at all in what they're interested in, but I'm interested in the fact that they are interested in things. Does that make sense? Like totally. that they're, yes. they have dimension. Like you said, they're showing different parts of the prism. They're not just showing like the two dimensions, you know what I mean? Yeah, I posted something about that recently. It was a different context, but it was the idea that I was like, a zebra is only fascinating to look at because it zigs and it zags. Otherwise, it would just be a horse. And there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with a horse, but there's something stunning. I think. I mean, maybe I'm partial to zebras, but how did you become who you are? What evolution did you go to that suddenly you have black and white stripes? That's bizarre. I love it. Like, tell me more. Like, I'm so much, I'm going to hire a zebra before I'm going to hire a donkey, probably just because they're brave enough to like be high contrast. I always say this to my clients who own a business. I want your content to be high contrast. Like beige is a great color for a wall, not for your personality, not for what you're creating, not for your offers, not for the words you use. Like beige is not it. It needs to be high contrast. Not that everything has to be this hot take or some wild thing, or you have to be even loud. Like I'm talking, I feel like I'm talking loudly right now. I'm talking a lot. I'm actually a very introverted and quiet person most of the time. Um, But sometimes it's like, yeah, just like let it fly. But be, at least have an opinion. (laughs) at least have something that creates contrast that is able to jump out and and grab someone, grab the right person. People want to know where you stand. I think that's like the new, the new business paradigm is people want to know where you stand. And so if somebody wanted to get started with breath work today, what would you tell them? What's the frequency? What's the setup? What's like, give us your take on that. When someone first comes to me and asks me this question, I tell them two things. One, you should try inner child breath work. One, because I just think anyone who, even if you have experienced inner child work, which is just connecting with a younger version with yourself or not, it is the ice that melted my cold, frozen heart. And it is the, and it is the tool that I have seen, like, strike a match in someone, melt them, let them feel love so deep that it never actually leaves them afterwards. So I always say, try an inner child breathwork session. I have one that's free um, on my on my website. But then from a more practical perspective, I view breathwork, it can be more transformational and healing. That would be the more inner child, deep dive psychedelic stuff that's my favorite. Um, but there's also incredibly practical tools that you can build out for getting in touch with that will I die filter <laughs> that lives inside of you so that you can be a bit more everything in your business, high contrast, prismatic, fascinating, regulated, rich, like all that thing. If you were going to do it with me, I would encourage you to download the Soul Breathwork app and do a state change every single day. And so all a state change session is, is like a five to 10 minute breathwork practice where you're 
using a different breathing pattern or hold or combination of patterns to speak your body's language. If you did one of those every single day for 30 days, if you only have the ABC of your body's language, you would have it all the way down to, I'm going to say Z because that's what I grew up saying, <laughs> but I believe in the US it's Z. Um, <laughs> but you will have the a, ABC to Z of your body's language. You'll be able to feel what it's like to shift from really sleepy to state change into being awake. You will have what it's like to do the opposite, to be feeling really awake and then be able to ground your body and chill out. That's what I would say. It's like some kind of daily practice that you can do. And then also one big inner child breathwork cry sesh. And that pretty much hooks everyone. So let's jump into some rapid fire questions. Okay. So the first one is what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? I'll take you back to, I just turned up in Syracuse, New York to play field hockey. I thought I was moving to New York City. I was not. And I had always been one of the best, if not the best, one of the best players on any team that I was ever at. Scotland's a small country, but I was also quite good. But when I showed up to play at Syracuse, I was so not good enough. I was so behind on everything. Couldn't like wasn't fit enough. Skills were so rusty. And I was on the bench for the first time in my entire career. And I was feeling just totally broken about this. And I emailed a woman who had coached me during my teenage years. And she wrote me back something that to this day I always come back to, which is nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So if you are feeling small, if you are feeling broken, if you are feeling wrong, if you are feeling like you can't, absolutely nobody has the power to do that to you. They may be able to contribute to it. But if someone is making you feel that way, some part of you is matching them in that experience. And it's always a beautiful reminder to me that the power is in me. The power is in in you. I can always change that. I can't change other people, can't change the circumstances, can't control the world. But I have a huge amount of capacity of the story that I'm telling myself at any given time. And I'm such a big... I yell all the time about self-responsibility. And that one always brings me back to that. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, what part of it is non-negotiable? Sure. I'm assuming breath work is part of it, but... Yeah, yeah. I do have a morning routine. Um, I've always been a bit like this, but it really cemented for me when I was writing my book, Ghost Why Perfect Women Shrink. And I only had the morning because I was working a full-time job at the time. And so one is I wake up at the exact same time every day, regardless of what day of the week it is, which is kind of me returning to my true nature. So growing up, I always woke up at 6.09 a.m. in the morning. And these days, it's actually shifted a little bit earlier. It's more like 5.40 these days. But I've been waking up anywhere between 5.40 and 6 every single day for the last... I guess, in a row, three or four years now, but basically for my entire life. So waking up at the exact same time, and then I'm out the door within 10 minutes at any, every single day, regardless of the whip. 
So, and I live in, I'm close to you. I live in Boston. So I live in, I live on the East Coast. And so it can be hot here. It can be raining. It can be absolutely freezing. There can be snow on the grounds and I will leave the house. Do you have a dog? <laughs> I do, but okay. not a dog that wakes up at that okay. time. It's, it's me. I want to, I am a creep. So it's, I told you, I said it, or I told you, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I believe in creature first living. So the creature wakes up and the creature goes out into the world. I'm not a human first. I'm a creature first. Creature wants to be outside, smelling the air, breathing hard or softly, whatever. Um, I'll often work out. Um, I'll do some breath work. I will maybe visualize some stuff. In the last year, I've got really into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I go there often, roll with the guys. Um, that's my morning routine. So same time every day and out the door within 10 minutes. And then normally like 45 minutes to an hour of something. Do you do breath work just sitting in a, in a one space or do you ever do it while you're moving your body? Yeah. Um, I don't do breath work in the morning every single day. But maybe I'll do a couple of rounds of something or after I've worked out, I'll just sort of sit there and maybe do something simple. But I do try to do some conscious breathing at some point every day. The next question is, what are you reading right now? Or is there a book you would recommend? <laughs> People always ask me this on podcasts. I don't read that much. Um, I'm kind of like a book a year person. So I'm not reading anything right now. But a book that I recommend to everyone is The Untethered Soul by David Singer. I love that book. It's repetitive, but profound. <laughs> so there's so much, there's so much good stuff in that book. I love that book. You, you can tell us a little bit about your book. And I'm curious, just as someone who aspires to write books, could you tell us a little bit about that process? Like, did you self-publish? Did you mm -hmm. like... What what decisions did you make around that? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, my book is called Ghost by Perfect Woman Shrink. It is, it's part memoir and part method. And the central premise of the book is it's a book for a highly functioning but invisibly struggling woman. So it charts my experience of being the strong one that nobody worried about, who was waging a vis and, and often it felt like invisible war within myself and the experience of what that was like to really shrink under the intensity of that pressure. And then also to thaw and then really find a way to, to be myself, um, be myself in the world. I, so Ghost is self-published, um, through like a hybrid publishing company called Scribe Media. They have an, they take an incredibly, I wanted a really high quality product. But I also wanted full creative control over the content, everything. Because I, so I, I wrote my book before I had a business. I was maybe through the draft, the first draft of my book when I started booking private clients. But the book came first for me. But I really saw it as like one of the first foundational things that I was doing. Yeah, from a business, but it was also really a creative expression for myself too. And so I started writing it in lockdown. And it only took me from April to June-ish to get a draft submitted to my editor. A um, couple of things that I'm really, really 
were the thing that helped me so, so much actually get this book written was one, writing every single day. Again, that's when I regularized my wake up schedule. Um, I would write at the exact same time every single day. I co-worked with people on Focusmate. It's just like a co-working platform. I would book two sessions back to back. So from seven to eight, so seven to seven to eight and then eight to nine. And my goal was 250 words every single day. And 250 words is three paragraphs. The reason for that is it is almost impossible to not be successful. <laughs> um, so that was it. And so off, and it was so easy to get my ass in the chair. Not so easy, but I made it very easy for myself to win. That was the recommendation of Scribe. I followed their method. It works. And um, they have a great book. I highly recommend it to anyone. A book about writing a book. Um, but that was it. Uh, 250 words minimum every single day until the book was written. And I didn't read at all while I was writing. I just wrote and then I stopped and then came back the next day and started writing again. The whole book from writing to it being the manuscript being locked, which just means that it's ready to publish, um, was started in January with like getting stuff ready and it was locked by August and then it was published the following January. Great. I love that. Thank you for sharing and being so transparent. It's exciting. So we'll put some of those um, details in the show notes too, for anybody who's interested in thinking about writing a book. And so how can people connect with you online and find out more about your work? Place where I'm most active right now is Instagram. You can find me there at Iona Holloway. And then if you are interested in breathwork, so whether you're wanting to start a free trial on the Soul Breathwork app, or you want to try my Meet Your Inner Child breathwork session that makes everyone cry um, in the best possible way, just go to soulbreathwork.com forward slash glow. Soulbreathwork.com forward slash glow. And you'll have the links to all my all my free stuff. And then also things that are paid like my muck and gold live breathwork stuff and my luminous mentorship group and my private coaching mirror and all that good stuff. So I go to holloway.com and then soulbreathwork.com forward slash glow. Awesome. Thank you so much, Iona. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode.